Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is this microphone haunted? Because it tried to eat my face. Coming to you almost live from a haunted corn maze, this is The Unknown Student I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And boy, what a treat we have in store for you this uh, episode, fair listener, because it's basically our Halloween special, if we, if we have such a thing, I guess. We do. We had one last year. Yeah. So now it's an annual event. Now this... this this yearly tradition has become an annual event. That's that's absolutely true. This one-year-old tradition. <laughs> and joining us in the studio today is Mr. Daryl Plunkey, the co-chair of Dedmonton Canada's Halloween Festival. Hi, Daryl. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Thanks for coming in. Enjoying it out here in the corn maze? It is terrifying. I think that someone was maimed uh, just down the way there. And that scarecrow is giving you a really dirty look right now. He's a stalker, you know. Ooh, zing. <laughs> Do we have the wah, wah, wah sound effect? Probably. You anyway, just made it. I don't need to find anything. Well, this, this is embarrassing. I was never contracted to do sound effects. So we wanted to get you on the show because uh, Dedmonton's not, it's fairly new, I would say. Yeah, this is uh, actually our second year. We became a not-for-profit society in uh, April of last year. And we're just trying to promote all of the, the Halloween stuff happening in and around the city. Cool. Which is good because yeah. I I feel that Halloween is uh, sort of like a dying tradition. It's like a dying holiday. Well, true Halloween is. You know, uh, there's a lot of commercialization, uh, and if you take a look at how many Halloween stores we have here in the city, it's there's probably you know seven or eight more than there was last year. It's uh, it's astonishing to me that those those um, Halloween distributor places just sort of pop up out of nowhere, and those are run by San Francisco or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the Halloween distributors run by the San Francisco group. Um, there's also Spirit Halloween, which is from the States. Um, there's a new one in town called Halloween or Monster Blowout out on the east end or west end of town. Hmm. Do these stores stick around all year? Not those ones. Um, there are a couple that do. There is Theater Garage downtown, which is uh, uh, bought a whole bunch of uh, the stuff when Shirley Potter's closed. And uh, Carrie's Costumes out in St. Albert is year-round as well. And they offer dance stuff in the off-season, but they do offer costumes and, and stuff all year. Now, it, it's interesting to me that around Halloween time, all these stores crop up because... And, and this is the reason why I say, it seems to me at least, that Halloween is, is kind of a... Uh, unfortunately, a bit of a, a dying tradition. Because I remember the way Halloween was when, when I was young. And... The way Halloween is now is not that anymore. No, totally and different. Like the the idea of kids not going door to door, of parents taking their kids to like the mall and such. Wait a minute. Like that's Wait just. A Hang on. Halloween has changed. Yeah. People don't tell. Explain. I don't understand. What do you I'm, mean? I'm so out of the loop. So kids don't trick or treat door to door anymore. There, it's it's becoming uh, rarer. So because they, because parents have the opportunity earlier in the day to take their kids to like West Edmont Mall or Kingsway yeah. or what have you and go shop to shop and get candy in the nice warm mall where they don't have to worry about strangers 
and you know going. These are just paid strangers, basically. Yes. And it's and the kids are in their great little commercial costumes that are all plasticized and the great little masks and stuff. Yeah. Instead of actually doing costumes and putting makeup on. And that is just wrong to me. Like I don't, I don't care for that. I will be taking my kids one day door to door, even to houses that uh, that clearly are not made up for housing. <laughs> Well, we're trying to promote some of those houses too. We're uh, running something called uh, Dedmonton's Most Haunted, and that is some, awesome. <laughs> we've got some backing from uh, the Edmonton Realtors Association, and they're they're sponsoring us this year. And we have I don't know thirty or forty houses that have let us know so far that they're decorating their houses and they want you to come and see. Edmonton used to have Halloween Alley. That's right. But, yeah, you know. Uh, they don't block the street off anymore, and, and oh, there's new people, and, and not everybody, like Candy Cane Lane, they don't all want to, you know, participate in Halloween. But there are a lot of people that really decorate their houses, especially up in the northeast end for, for some reason. Hmm. Scarier up there, I guess. <laughs> well, it is pretty scary up there, that's for sure. For an entirely different reason, yeah. Um, so before we get back to the whole Deadmonton thing, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on why is is has Halloween changed to this sort of watered down thing because people are so pathologically afraid of people. safety of other people. I think that's part of it. Yeah, um, but it's really funny. The most of the Halloween people that I know, the people that decorate their houses, that that do the Halloween crafts, that actually you know dress up in costume, are. Definitely more benign than some of the other people that I know. You know, yeah. um, they they take it easy. They like to scare people, but they're not there to harm people, right? Sure. So, well, and Halloween is not a holiday about harming people. Exactly. It's about, if anything, it's about experiencing scary situations in utter safety. Like it's it's yeah. almost an oxymoron in that way. It's a, a juxtaposition. Yeah. Uh, that you are you are getting a nice safe scare and and having a good time doing it. Yeah, and it's also you know you get that uh, you get that adrenaline rush when you when you get scared and that that's fun. It's fun to go out and and see some of this stuff and uh, you know get your pants scared off every now and then. <laughs> so Edmonton was created to sort of to be Edmonton's Halloween festival. That's how it all started. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had worked at, uh, volunteered at Fort Edmonton Park for about 15 years, and uh, I was still upset that people didn't know that there was something happening every year, you know, for Halloween mm -hmm. at Fort Edmonton. Uh, because they're a city run, you know, they don't have the ability to advertise in a big budget and, and go out and do that. So it spread through word of mouth. Um, then our other co-chair did a uh, talk at Pecha Kucha, um, Bringing back, Dedmonton has had a very slanderous name. You know, that's what everybody calls it, calls Dedmonton because it's uh, boring or, you know, we've had some, some incidents with, uh, with, you know, higher murder rate. And uh, we wanted to take that name back. Mm -hmm. So he did a talk where he said, well, what better to bring back the name Dedmonton? Let's make it positive and let's make it into a festival. And that was sort of born. And uh, the folks at Connect Edmonton kind of got us all together. And, cool. uh started, you know, we started Edmonton. Now, didn't you recently give a, a talk at a Pecha Kucha event as well? Yes, yes, I did, uh, on fear uh, and phobias. 
So yeah, that was that was a good time. Tried not to do the whole, you know, promote Edmonton too much on there, but it's definitely something that ties in and something that I enjoy. Cool. So, what's your what do you do during the day when you're not co-chairing Edmonton? Um, thinking about Edmonton. Um, <laughs> You know, kind of interrupts my job. I'm a, a computer guy for a group of car dealerships. Okay. And, um, but this is, this is a passion that I have, you mm-hmm. know, definitely. It's fun to do. You meet some weird people. Though. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sitting next to one right now, my co-host, Scott C. Bourgeois. You also are one. Obsessed with Halloween, though, you are. No, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, obsessed, say obsessed. But you get, re- it's almost like another Christmas for you. It is almost like another Christmas for me. And it should be more like another Christmas for a lot of people, I think. Now, uh, amongst the many former gatewayers who've gone on to do bigger and better things, one is uh, kind of a standout at this time of year, and that would be Dave Alexander, who went on to become the editor-in-chief of Rue Morgue magazine, and I had the opportunity to talk to him over the phone just recently. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Great, man. And uh, so just a... To, I suppose, preface things, you uh, you used to work with Adam Rosenhart. We did. I, we worked I'm, at the Gateway, the uh, University of Alberta Students newspaper. I imagine that was a big treat for you. Those were good days, man. <laughs> so uh, what are you doing now? Well, um, six years ago this coming January, um, I moved out to Toronto to take a job at Rue Morgue Magazine which is now the world's largest um, publication dedicated to horror and culture in entertainment. So why did you decide to uh, take a job with a, with a horror magazine? What kind of got you into that? Um, I always loved horror movies when I was a kid. The monster movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, all that kind of stuff, drawing monsters. And um, I kind of grew away from it when I got older, and then I rediscovered it in my 20s. And I was going to university at the time in film studies, and there wasn't all that much being done on horror. And so I found it was kind of an interesting, fertile place, um, you know, to explore the genre and apply some other ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so that kind of stoked my interest. I started freelancing at the same time. I was writing for the student newspaper, and one of the magazines I kind of fell in love with was Rue Morgue. You know, it was a Canadian publication, which was also a draw. And um, so I pursued them, finally got a job uh, with them freelancing in issue 30-something, 34, I think it was, and have been in every issue since. And then um, when they were expanding to 11 issues a year from six issues a year, they needed another editor. So they approached me, and I came out here, actually turned them down twice uh, before I came out here. Because I wasn't ready to leave Edmonton, and then I realized that was kind of foolish because it was a really cool place with lots of cool people, and it's been a blast ever since. So uh, you you are the editor in chief now. Yes, I've been the editor in chief. I guess it's about a year actually. And uh, have do you find that it's uh, a handful to be the editor in chief of a of a major publication like that? It is very 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 busy. It takes over your life because there's all kinds of things outside of just the magazine duties and, you know, we're trying to navigate the digital world like every other publication. And we put on a lot of other events. We have um, movie nights that I program here in Toronto. 
and we throw parties, and there's also a Rumorg Cinema and Rumorg Radio. Um, so it's a, a big world and uh, lots of fingers and lots of different pies, I suppose. Now, as a uh, as a horror publication with Halloween coming up, I imagine this is like your Christmas. Yes, it's pretty busy. Um, actually, we get really busy in August because we have a huge convention, the Fan Expo, um, which we bring in like horror celebrities and we do screenings and stuff. And at the same time, we're also working on the Halloween issue because we have a you know a couple months lead time. Uh, so that's when we're really super crunched. And then it kind of dies down a bit after um, the Toronto International Film Festival finishes. And then now heading in the next couple of weeks, ramping up to Halloween, it's getting busy again. We've got a party coming up. And um, you get, like, media requests and, you know, just horrors all over the place in general. Now, at, you mentioned that you're the, the world's largest uh, kind of horror fan publication at the moment. Uh, not not in that you are fans of horror who put on a publication, but for the fans. Yeah, we're the biggest horror magazine out there. Um, I suppose that's a pretty big feather in your cap. Why don't you think other people are kind of in on in on that niche? Uh, well, there is other people in on the niche. Um, we've just grown. There are you know smaller publications, um, but we've been very successful. I think part of that is the business plan. Uh, that the guys who started the magazine had, Rodrigo Godinho, he's the president of Rumorg, um, Marco Pacota and Jody Infineri, they're co-owners. And there's been this um, idea of sort of slow growth and being very much independent and not selling out, you know, get offers to, bigger companies have offered to buy the magazine. And, you know, people try to buy their way onto the cover all the time, but we've been really good about, you know, being fans and respecting other fans. And that's worked really well for us. Now, obviously, uh, being a horror fan, working in a, a horror magazine, you get to interact with a lot of the things that you that you yourself are uh, a fan of. Have you uh, have you found that it's a great opportunity to get out and be more involved in in uh, horror movies and horror literature and such? You get to kind of rub elbows with actors and directors and writers. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we have. Um... You know, you get to know a lot of people in the industry, a lot of cool folks. Um, for example, uh, Clive Barker's been back to the lounge in our office and hung out. Um, so is Guillermo del Toro. He's a big fan of the magazine. Um, lots of guys like that, uh, you know, who are also, you know, they're big horror fans. You get to, to share your love of the genre and geek out and appreciate good art and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then everyone that works here sort of has their own artistic projects as well. Um, I've published some fiction last year through one of the other editors, uh, Small Presses, for example. Um, both of our designers have their own websites, and they sell art, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what was, what was your biggest geek out moment? Who was the one person who you got an opportunity to talk to or interview or hang out with where you were just like, I... If you would ask me 10 years ago, I would not have imagined that I would be standing next to this person. Um, for me, it would probably actually be Roger Corman. Uh, I got to meet him a few years ago at Comic-Con, and then I got to um, hang out with him a little bit when he came up for our festival, uh, not this past year, but the year before. And then I recently got to interview him for a magazine called Royal Flush, which is um, going to be hitting newsstands now. And actually... Our designer here, Gary Pullen, um, 
he did the artwork for it. So it was like two reward guys working together for a story on someone we both love in the horror genre for another magazine. Um, so, you know, that horror world is uh, small and friendly most often. Which you might not expect for the uh, the source material. Yeah. <laughs> now, most horror fans are um, really well-rounded people. And, uh, you know, this is this is their uh, their fun diversion. You know, it's a fantasy. It's a release. And uh, I think the one thing I'd probably emphasize is a lot of people sort of think horror is splatter and slashers and teen stuff that shows up in the multiplex. But the world is so much larger than that. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on all over the world. Uh, really cool art house films and great literature, uh, paintings, all, all kinds of stuff. So what's uh, what's coming up for Rue Morgue in the next year or so? Well, the big project right now is we're trying to get all our digital platforms launched um, and at a point where we're happy with them. It's a really time-consuming, difficult process because the industry as a whole is still trying to figure out how to do it properly. Uh, you know, to get on get on the iPad and, you know, have an app on the iPhone that's, you know, really user-friendly and kind of interesting and dynamic, that sort of stuff. So that's one of our big projects now. Rumorg Cinema is going ahead. Um, Rodrigo is going to be uh, directing a remake of a really grisly um, Spanish horror film called Cutthroats 9. And uh, they're working on getting that done. That's kind of the big project in the Rumorg world for the next year. And there's always just tons of stuff on the go, man. That's part of the draw. I like being really busy and, um, you know, having a lot of different avenues to explore. Now, as a former Edmontonian, do you ever uh, get back out this way at all? Oh, I sure do. Uh, I've got loads of family and friends out there. I'm going to be there in November for the Gateway 100th anniversary, and I'll be hanging out with Adam. And me, as a matter of fact. Yay! (laughs) So we'll get an opportunity to meet face-to-face. Cool. Yeah, I try to get out at least twice a year. Um, I got really busy this year, so this is actually the first time I'm going to get out. Um, But yeah, it's always going to be home, and, you know, I follow the Oilers. And I go see Corb Lund when he's in town and do all those uh, good Albertan boy things (laughs) that I can do. When you're the when you're the editor in chief of a horror magazine, obviously the bar is set fairly high for you. What do you go as for Halloween? <laughs> it's it's actually always really stressful because we're busy and you know there's kind of expectations and uh, everyone gets kind of flustered. But then usually come up with something. Uh, I think my favorite costume I did a couple of years ago. I went as George Romero. I had to find some giant glasses and uh, the wig and the vest, and that went over really well. Uh, this year I'm going the 80s horror route and um going to do Horace Pinker from Shocker. So I actually got myself an authentic prison jumpsuit and got to find a bald cap and I do a little bit of makeup, but I'm I'm excited about that. Sounds so there like, you go. Sounds <laughs> like it's going to be a good one. <laughs> it always is. Our Halloween parties are a highlight of the year. They're huge. They're really super fun. Well, I would expect no less. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for uh, for your time. For sure, man. I'm looking forward to being back in the hometown and having a few beers. And we'll, yeah, we'll see you in November. Beautiful. Have a great Halloween, everyone. You too. All right. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. It's the League of Extraordinary Media. TheEdmontonian.com. TrueBrittle.com. The Unknown Studio. User-created content. 
It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit leagueofextraordinarymedia.com. Now, we should take a moment at this time uh, to uh, thank some very special people that not, are close to our hearts. Not unlike uh, Dedmonton, we have sponsors as well. Wouldn't be able to do this show without the fine folks at the, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. Yes, that's right. Those ink-stained wretches saw fit to sponsor us when no one else would. And for that, we thank them. We'd also like to thank the fine folks down at Guru... Digital Arts, Arts College. College. That wasn't so good. Do you want to try that again? No. Okay. Okay, we're not doing that again. Yes, that's right. Owen Brierley, he's the headmaster, the Dumbledore of the school, um, is running a digital arts college where they teach you all about design, uh, online media, and even social media. It's a great place to be if you want to if you want to get in, do school for six months, and get out and get a job. Speaking of getting in and getting out... <laughs> <laughs> that was off. No, that was fantastic. We have to keep that. Uh, the Traveling Tickle Trunk yes, we, is one of our sponsors. We definitely like to thank the Traveling Tickle Trunk because they are, they're our sponsor. And actually, we just did a contest with them last week. Uh, so a few of our listeners went to the Taboo Sex Show last week on uh, the, the dime of the ta- Traveling Tickle Trunk. So we'd like to thank them for their support. And uh, they will continue to offer wonderful... Uh, Sex positive uh, advice and uh, and specials through yeah. our show. So, yeah. so uh, keep, keep listening, listening yeah. and uh, keep visiting them. Their next uh, next next segment on the show will be next episode. And of course, last but not least, no, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Last and least, Jerry Allenbach. Bacon. Bacon. Now, you guys had mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, kids going to malls and wearing the plastic costumes. Yeah. I never went to malls, but uh, at my play, my house when we were young, we didn't really like we went out trick or treating. But the the amount of effort that we put into our costumes, I I think would was considerably lower than what someone like you would have done, Scott. No, my quality of costumes were pretty low overall because as well. I think I remember, I, and the only reason I remember this is because of a very bizarre and kind of gross reason. Um, I think I was like six. And I had this plastic Spider-Man costume with the terrible mask that had the crappy elastic around it. And it was freezing that Halloween, so naturally it started to split everywhere when I went outside. I just remember the crotch of the uh, costume, like, jamming into me. like, And I was just like, this is the least comfortable and the lamest-looking costume I've ever had. And I think because of that, I've never really put a lot of effort into Halloween. But I think See, and the irony is, if you had put more effort into that Halloween, you would like dressing up more. Probably. But I it was to... it was your lackluster, lazy costume that made you go, "I'm going to be lackluster and lazy it's about just this." Just something else to tell my therapist about yeah. when it comes to See, my. Parents. I remember when I was in grade five for school, um, I actually got a haircut and my mom cut bits and pieces off a wig, and I went as the Wolfman. And this is before we, you know, we knew about spirit gum and some of the other stuff to glue hair to your face. So we used Elmer's white glue, <laughs> which was good for probably the first 20 minutes. And then you couldn't move your mouth at all. But I won best costume in my school that year. That's and, awesome. And, uh, you know, 
still had hair on my face and we went out and we ended up getting uh, like a, you know, pillowcase full of, of treats. Uh, and I can remember coming home and dumping stuff off and then, you know, going back out again. Now, this is a pro tip, Halloween pro tip for all of our younger listeners. If you're going out trick-or-treating... Uh, this Halloween, do not get one of those pumpkins, those plastic pumpkins, or a little tote bag, uh, which you can buy at most of uh, most dollar stores and whatnot. Do not go with those. Get a pillowcase. Yeah. Get one of your parents' pillowcases and fill that to the brim. That is how you do Halloween. That is how I did Halloween. That yeah. is how Daryl did Halloween. That is the way you need to do. That Halloween. is how Halloween is done. Agreed. I would That's say. how Halloween's done. So what are some of your guys' uh, favorite Halloween memories then? If if I have the terrible crotch story, there's got to be something out there that's better. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that, that one is definitely a, a memory of being a werewolf with, you know, <laughs> hair glued to your face with white glue. <laughs> definitely not the most comfortable. But um, I remember as a little kid went out trick-or-treating with my brother and we found a... Uh, a prosthetic hanging fake eyeball that hung out of his, his, uh, and he must have been maybe nine or ten years old, and uh, so we had that glued to his face. By this time, we discovered spirit gum, <laughs> so uh, you know, had that glued to his face, and and again, it was one of the things. He came back with with a pillowcase full, and and you know, packed it away, and and went out and grabbed some more. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. What about you? I remember when uh, I was younger, uh, I, I lived in St. Albert when I was younger, and uh, in our neighborhood, just uh, down the crescent that uh, went off the main street we were on, there was a house that went way all out for Halloween every year. They had a coffin in the front with a guy dressed as a vampire in it who would not jump out all the time, but like every other group of kids, especially for the older kids, he would and they'd awesome. shriek. It was great. Uh and I remember that I was young enough, I, I might have been five or six years old, that I was terrified to go up that walkway because I was afraid that the vampire was going to jump out and grab me or something. And uh, my dad thought it was humorous but was like, okay, well, we'll just pass along to the, to the next house. And I was like, okay, because I don't want to be scared by the vampire. You skipped the house? So we skipped the house. But then the guy who was at the door, who was dressed as a shambling mummy monster, <laughs> shambled out of the house down the lawn and after me with a big bowl of candy going <laughs> to give me candy because he was like, oh, that little kid, he's totally skipping the house because of the scary vampire. He needs some candy. So he sought me out and gave me candy. And that was really nice. And scary. It was, yes. it was a little surprising and, and frightening. But, <laughs> but at the, like looking back on it, I was like, that was really awesome. It was totally something I would have done had now I been that, that guy. gone through therapy, you're okay with it. Well, you. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you and I know to... that I don't wake up in the night assuming that there's a, a mummy trying to Feed force candy, candy. <laughs> force candy on God, me. God forbid. God forbid. Um, yeah, no, there, there's definitely some memories I have of houses in our neighborhood that were terrifying. I always liked walking up uh, porches where there was like a little bench that was there and there would always be like a dummy or something or, or a real person sitting there and you could never tell. There was one house, I lived in the West End and uh, they always put a dummy on this bench but one year, and they did the same thing this year, this one year, but uh, just as kids were coming up to ring the doorbell, some someone came around the corner, like from out behind the dummy, and just screamed and terrified everybody. I think they probably wound up keeping most of their candy that year. Uh, there was <laughs> uh, there was one year where uh, my friend uh, 
my friend Dave, his parents would would do similar things with the the dummy, which every now like one year it would be a dummy and another year it would be one of his parents dressed up as the dummy. And one year they had actually put the bowl of candy in the dummy's lap and were just like, take a candy. And if anybody went to take more than one candy, it was actually his mom in the dummy costume. She would grab their hand. That's awesome. Scare the pants off them. So obviously there are people in the city very enthusiastic about this and Edmonton is proof of that. So what kinds of events other than what Fort Edmonton does, what kinds of events are taking place in and around the city that you guys are supporting? Well, there's all sorts of stuff with, with, decorating all of the houses. Um, there are things happening out in Sherwood Park. Almost every weekend, there's uh, something they call the Haunted Hike. And uh, early off in the, early in the evening, it, it isn't quite as scary, but as it gets darker, it gets a little, little bit scarier, um, significantly scarier from what I've heard. Uh, there's a lot of fundraisers and stuff in town. They're actually oh, really? raising money for the stallery. The Sands Hotel is doing the tour of terror on uh, the Friday and Saturday, and they're just out near Rexall Place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, their their theme this year is goes to the movies. So they've got Leatherface and and Pyramid Head and and uh, you know Freddy Krueger and a few of these these gruesome characters. Uh, and again, they're raising money for the Stollery as well. There's also the I uh, can't remember the full name, but it's A-C-T-S-S. They are raising money for pets uh, who have cancer. So they subsidize pets who've got cancer. And uh, they've got um, something that, that's coming up. I can't remember the exact date. I believe it's the 23rd. Uh, but we have a whole bunch of other things that are going on. Uh, just this last weekend, we had the Scarecrow Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know, specifically for the little kids. Throughout the month out by uh, Bonacord, there's the uh, Prairie Gardens Pumpkin Festival. Uh, we were out there a couple of weeks back and it was, it was a zoo. Uh, you know, um, far too many little kids scared the <laughs> heck out of me. But uh, That's what makes all these things so terrifying, yeah. right? But they've got a great pirate theme and there's lots of stuff for kids to do out there. And uh, that's, that's going on, weather permitting, till the end of the month, so... Now tell us about uh, about some of the Edmonton specific stuff. Like before the show, before we started recording the show, we talked about Miss Edmonton. Yeah, as uh, we're sort of an umbrella festival, unlike uh, some of the other festivals in town, we're not running as much on our own, but we do run a couple of things. That being the Edmonton's Most Haunted, which are the houses that we're decorating or people are decorating, and Miss Edmonton contest, and. Uh, as of tonight, the uh, the entrants have closed for uh, Miss Edmonton, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get uh, all of the Miss Edmonton contestants that put their video up on YouTube to come out. We're going to see them in public. Um, there's Rocky Horror Picture Show and some other things that are coming up, so we're going to get them out there and in the lines that uh, you know we can promote them to the people and see what the people think of them. Maybe we've got a few little contests coming up, uh, you know, possibly a brain eating contest or something like that to, uh, try and promote some of them and, and see if we can find our spooks person. So is that what Miss Edmonton becomes? It's a, is it a, a, a girl dressed up as something terrifying who becomes your spooks person? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, one that won last year, Joey, um, we had a competition, uh, that was judged by a few different media judges and, uh, she ended up 
uh, in two minutes, she painted a picture of the Venus de Milo that had arms, um, ended up not liking them, pulled a knife out of her belt and cut the arms off as they bled down the painting. Uh, so it was actually really, really interesting. Spectacular, and actually. She's been in about a dozen parades this year and other events. She was on several uh, television morning shows and that sort of thing last year. So. Cool. I want to do that. You're not a woman that you know of. Well, you can still common. cut off your arms, though. It doesn't matter. That's true. Are we going to do that? Probably no. not. No. I don't think so. No. Now, has has Deadmonton kind of helped as an umbrella organization bring a lot of these other festivals together oh, and, for and sure. draw for a lot sure. more attention to them? Yeah. Um, there is a lot of things that are happening. There's a, uh, a film festival. Um, they had to move it to August this year. Uh, horror films and, and that oh, sort of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dead Fest. Yeah. Um, but they're sort of something we want to try and promote. Uh Back at the first weekend of the month, or the, on uh, October 8th, there was a zombie walk, and we had over 400 zombies uh, getting together, marching down White Avenue, and that was raising money for the food bank, or raising uh, f- food and, and money for the food bank. Not sure what the final tally is, but um, trying to promote the people who are doing things, the, the stores who are, who are doing things. Um, People that don't have the big budgets to get out there is what we're trying to promote. Yeah. There's no sense promoting, you know, some of the radio stations that, that have multi-million dollar budgets for their Halloween events. Um, so we're trying to help out the little guy. And we're doing stuff for all ages. You know, we're, we want to promote the stuff for the kids. We want to promote the stuff for the horror fans. Um, the bar crowd, you know, they're already going to do their thing, but we'll, we'll mention some of the unique things that they want to do. You know, such as visit some of these haunted houses and and ghost tours and that it'd be, sort of thing. It'd be awesome to to if I were a bar owner, I would turn my bar into a haunted bar for Halloween. I think that'd be really cool, and just have like really terrifying people and figures and stuff happening, and also drink specials, right? Halloween themed drink specials. Yeah, like uh, you know, you could get a, a thing of pig's blood or, or something. Would that be no? That would be very unsanitary. Well, I'm not saying it would. It would be called pig's blood, Scott. It wouldn't actually have pig's blood in it. You're so literal, such a literalist. <laughs> now, one of the things that I'm excited about this Halloween, other than Scott's annual Halloween party, which I still have to find a costume for. I can't take full credit for it. It's more really Anita's annual okay. Halloween. So party. your fiance is having the Halloween party, but the other thing that I'm looking forward to, in particular this year is the premiere of AMC's The Walking Dead, which is the graphic novel converted into television. And that is the most exciting thing to me right now. Um, As you may know, I'm zombie-obsessed. I spent the whole afternoon uh, of the day that we recorded the show killing zombies on my PlayStation 3. So So, um, zombies seem to be sort of coming back into the collective consciousness i think i think vampires filled the space for a little while vampires did yeah um zombies have sort of been well shall we say just eating at the back of your brain for a long time now uh but every now and then there's a lot of places that are doing zombie walks uh edmonton is not the only one that's for sure um but you know we we do have fun when we do them that's for sure so if if Halloween's obviously 
coming up. What do you do the rest of the year as co-chair of Edmonton? Are you trying to sort of plan right away as soon as Halloween's done for the following year? We take probably 24 to 48 hours off before we start planning <laughs> next year. That's good. Um, but, you know, there's, there's um, if we're looking for funding or sponsorship, you know, a lot of the deadlines of those for are in November. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they start producing Halloween candy in April, May. Uh, you know, so we need to to contact those people and say, hey, you know, put us in for, you know, 5,000 eyeballs. And uh, very interesting is is there's a whole convention circuit that most people don't realize for, for Halloween and horror-related stuff mm-hmm. that starts April, May, June, July. Um, and we'd actually, you know, maybe like to hold an event here in Edmonton for like a horror convention uh, awesome. and a haunter's convention in the spring sometime. So we're looking at trying to plan that. Might not be next year, uh, but there is a, a Canadian haunter's convention out east that we want to try and go to, and there's lots of them in the in the States as well. So does Edmonton actually travel to some of these things? Have you had a presence there? We haven't yet, uh, but we, we definitely want to. Um, eventually, we want to make Edmonton a tourist destination. For the Halloween season. So come to Edmonton. It's not necessarily what you think it is. So what do, do you know what other cities do? I know that Toronto's got a pretty good horror community. Rue Morgue is based there. Yeah. What are some of the things that other cities do to promote Halloween and that are doing it really well? Well, one of the things that we don't have here is sort of a permanent haunted house. Yeah. Uh, And some of the other cities... Uh, that's what they they have. They've they've had, um, you know, some some farm or something like that that they convert into a haunted house for you know the last ten or fifteen years. Um, some of the the corn mazes in town do that uh, just for for a few nights, mm-hmm. um, but it's not as much a full fledged haunted house that they're getting ten and fifteen thousand people out over, you know, over the course of six or eight weekends wow we need one i wonder what would be we we talked to marlis weber last last season mm-hmm. about haunted houses in edmonton do you remember any places that all i can remember is that old schoolhouse near the public school museum that's sort of in a field but it's too small to be a haunted house we need a large manor yeah. like daryl cates's house or something like that I'm sure that's haunted. I'm sure, you know, he's not using it. No. <laughs> it's only, what, 20,000 square feet? There's no way he's using all of that. Uh, one thing that uh, you mentioned, big Halloween to-dos. Mm-hmm. I know that a number of uh, theme parks down in the States, at the very least, uh, have an entire Halloween season over the course of, like, October, where their uh, theme park closes for, like, an hour in the evening and then reopens overnight completely transformed into one giant haunted house. And I think that's awesome. Obviously not something we would necessarily be able to do in Edmonton. But, but. you know, once, once we get more volunteers uh, and and people that are, have the ability and the knowledge how to do this, there's great makeup artists in town. There's great prop builders in town. And we're just trying to get all of those people together. So maybe we can actually do some of that and find a venue that we can, you know, put together and run something every year and yeah. make it a tourist destination. Yeah, it'd be awesome to get people into Edmonton because they're coming here for something called Edmonton. The ultimate irony, really. 
I think they should shut down Galaxy Land. Ugh. I don't think that There's... Galaxy Land would do the trick. I was thinking maybe Fort Edmonton Park. But like an aban- yeah, something, but make it seem like an abandoned uh, amusement park is what I was going to suggest. Have like... Uh, well, if it was a little warmer, we could use the White Mud Amusement Park, but it's a little chilly in yeah. October, end of October. And that, that amusement park, so s- actually, it's perfectly sketchy. It would be, it would be, you wouldn't really even have to do very much to it. Just uh, pop a few of those boats so they half sink. Yep, let's uh, let's uh, alienate a potential sponsor. Right, right. <laughs> but right now, the Fort Edmonton, they do. They send haunted tours through there, right? Well, they're not using the fort itself anymore. Why but, not? Um, it's it's a heritage building that that you know. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are tall enough that you know wrap your head around some of the, you know, yeah. some of the beams and and uh, they used to do that. But what they've done now is uh, with the creation of the Blatchford Hangar uh, in there. That is usually a kids' area, and they've got a bunch of kids' games, usually a medieval theme. So the younger people uh, can do that. Then 1905 and, and uh, 1885 Street, um, the further you go down the street, it's scary. 1885 Street itself is usually one whole big scenario, and dozens of the buildings get populated with little little scenarios in them. Um, I've been... Uh, Dr. Frankenstein, I've played the devil, I've been a doctor three or four times, I've been a chef in the Cadaver Cafe, I've been an undertaker, uh, I've been an Egyptologist, um, and I even had a school teacher try to tell me that there was no such thing as an Egyptologist. But anyway, really? that was a different story. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you just ad lib and carry on. <laughs> yes, there's no such thing as an Egyptologist. I'm a... Oh, well. Boy, I hope she went back and Googled that and realized how silly she was. Yeah, well, it was years ago. Maybe that word wasn't invented yet. <laughs> no, no, it was. <laughs> you guys coined that term. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to check out uh, a lot of the Halloween's going, goings on. All I've ever done in Edmonton was like a haunted uh, tour of the White Avenue area. Well, there is ghost tours. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and there are... You know, as you're mentioning, there's a lot of houses in town that do have uh, supernatural abilities or supernatural presences. And uh, um, we know the folks they're sort of associated with us that run uh, the haunted tours and the paranormal explorers in town that can, you know, help you get rid of some of your stuff. And there's lots of stuff not just in Edmonton itself. There's stuff out in in Beaumont and, and St. Albert, and we've got some good friends up in Clyde that have a huge haunted house. Really? Um, we know lots of members of the Hearst Club as well, the Edmonton Bone Wagon Association, and uh, there's, there's lots of stuff going on. So check out the website. So that's deadmonton.com. D-E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N.com. There you go. And you'll see the event calendar on there. And like I say, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this year, we've got over 30 things happening each day. No rules. No censors. It's Adam Rosenhart Unleashed. The world of Halloween, as I know it, is in a sorry state of affairs. Now, I remember when I was a kid and we used to go out trick-or-treating or even before we went out trick-or-treating, we'd get warnings from teachers and parents that you couldn't eat things like apples if they gave you apples because they might have razor blades in it and blah, blah, blah. But it was also the only night of the year where it was perfectly okay 
to get dropped off somewhere and then to talk to all the strangers you wanted and to essentially extort them for candy. Now I'm hearing that many parents are opting to take their kids to malls, the so-called safe environment where they can bring them around to stores, expose them to increasing commercialization, and ensure that the candy they get is not only safe, but branded with a Gap logo. Now this takes the, the whole issue of Halloween and really waters it down. Halloween for me was about going out and getting a lot of candy, but also being able to experience the strange darkness that nighttime provides. You know, when the sun goes down early and all you have are those sodium street lights that are trying, that are sort of yellowing everything. And, and it, it really turned the world into this different place you wanted to experience and be out in the world. Even though your parents were nearby, you could be assured that it was going to be an adventure. And you could either get scared by other kids along the way, by your neighbors that are weird creeps. But now, we're opting to go to malls. It's absurd. It takes the child out of childhood or it keeps him there, but doesn't expose him to anything interesting or compelling or exciting. Those things that make Halloween worthwhile. So, parents, the ones of you that listen to this podcast, I implore you, don't go to the malls. Take your kids around the neighborhood or a different neighborhood and let them have the living shit scared out of them. Because that is what Halloween is all about. This is the Unknown Studio. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. Now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. A Maryland Ghost Story, retold by S.E. Schlosser. When Felix Agnes put up the life-sized shrouded bronze statue of a grieving angel seated on a pedestal in the Agnes family plot at the Druid Ridge Cemetery, he had no idea what he had started. The statue was a rather eerie figure by day, frozen in a moment of grief and terrible pain. At night, the figure was almost unbelievably creepy, the shroud over its head obscuring the face until you were close up to it. There was a living air about the grieving angel, as if its arms could reach out and grab you if you weren't careful. It didn't take long for rumors to sweep through the town and surrounding countryside. They said that the statue, nicknamed Black Aggie, was haunted by the spirit of a mistreated wife who lay beneath her feet. The statue's eyes would glow red at the stroke of midnight, and any living person who returned the statue's gaze would be instantly struck blind. 
any pregnant woman who passed through her shadow would miscarry. If you sat in her lap at night, the statue would come to life and crush you to death in her dark embrace. If you spoke Black Eggie's name three times at midnight in front of a dark mirror, the evil angel would appear and pull you down to hell. They also said that the spirits of the dead would rise from their graves on dark nights to gather around the statue at night. People began visiting the cemetery just to see the statue, and it was then that the local fraternity decided to make the Statue of Grief part of their initiation rites. Black Aggie Sitting, where the candidates for membership had to spend the night crouched beneath the statue with their backs to the grave of General Agnes, became popular. One dark night, two fraternity members accompanied a new hopeful to the cemetery and watched while he took his place underneath the creepy statue. The clouds had obscured the moon that night, and the whole area surrounding the dark statue was filled with a sense of anger and malice. It felt as if a storm were brewing in that part of the cemetery, and to their chagrin, the two fraternity members noticed that grey shadows seemed to be clustering around the body of the frightened fraternity candidate crouching before the statue. What had been a funny initiation rite suddenly took on an air of danger. One of the fraternity brothers stepped forward in alarm to call out to the initiate, as he did. The statue above the boy stirred ominously. The two fraternity brothers froze in shock as the shrouded head turned toward the new candidate. They saw the gleam of glowing red eyes beneath the concealing hood as the statue's arms reached out toward the cowering boy. With shouts of alarm, the fraternity brothers leapt forward to rescue the new initiate, but it was too late. The initiate gave one horrified yell, and then his body disappeared into the embrace of the dark angel. The fraternity brothers skidded to a halt as the statue thoughtfully rested its glowing eyes upon them. With gasps of terror, the boys fled from the cemetery before the statue could get hold of them, too. Hearing the screams, a night watchman hurried to the Agnes plot. To his chagrin, he discovered the body of a young man lying at the foot of the statue. The young man had apparently died of fright. The disruption caused by the statue grew so acute that the Agnes family finally donated it to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., the grieving angel sat for many years in storage there, never again to plague the citizens visiting the Druid Hill Park Cemetery. become so enthusiastic about Halloween and horror? I don't know. I think that's probably inherited. Uh, you know, dad fixes things, puts them together, and, and mom was always, uh, you know, helping with the costumes and, and uh, sorting through the candy and stuff afterwards. And I've just found more and more people that are, that are really into it. It's sort of 
not quite as public. A lot of people think I'm a bit of a freak, you know, especially at work. What? It's May. Why are you thinking about Halloween now? <laughs> well, I got to start building those props. So, you know, I never thought that I'd be that interested in horror, but the more that I be, like, I've started reading these graphic novels. I, I like, I like vampire movies. I like zombie movies, and so more and more, it's it's something that I kind of enjoy living and breathing. And it certainly doesn't have to be around Halloween time to to take place. That's for sure. No, it's nice because you can uh, you can you know do it all year and still carry on with your with your regular everyday job, you know, Halloween and horror, that's maybe my vice. Ooh, interesting. It's, it's pretty decent vice to have. Yeah. I mean, less destruct, less, less self-destructive well, than other yes, vices. Yes, yes. You know, I've injured myself making some props, so I guess <laughs> it's a little destructive some ways. But, you know, it's great because you can go to a garage sale in the summer and, you know, oh, look, I can... I can turn that into a, in, in, you know, to a body or, or something. <laughs> you know, you go into Home Depot and it's like, I'm looking for Halloween stuff. No, 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 we don't have Halloween stuff. No, I need, you know, like 24 feet of PVC tubing and then I need some copper tubing and then I need this. And it's like, well, what are you using that for? Well, I'm making, you know, a haunted lab or, or, or whatever. So. so is the house a bit of a mess of Halloween stuff right now or uh, in general, actually? My wife would definitely have to say yes. <laughs> uh, and I probably have to start cleaning some stuff up. But, um, you know, I've got, got a little shrine in my one room and the basement is filled with stuff. So It's terrifying. I'd be it scared is. to go down there. So I was going to ask this as part of the uh, the Fast 15 questions, but I think I'll just throw it out there right now because I've got another question in mind. And that is, have you ever experienced anything supernatural or yes. paranormal? Would you care to share that story with us? Um, when I lived down in the States, um, we lived in a house. I lived in Wyoming for a year. I was in grade four. So uh, what's that? However old I was. <laughs> Um, but the bedroom that I had in the basement, there'd actually been two people that had died in it. Mm -hmm. uh, one had committed suicide, uh, hung themselves in the closet, and another one had, uh, um, had a heart attack and, uh, fell down right, right at the door and, and died in the doorway, uh, of my room. And, uh, there was definitely some <clears throat> paranormal activity, see things and, and, uh, just, strange experiences and stuff. What so. kind of things did you see? I love oh, stuff just, like this. You know, things out of the corner of your eyes, you know, is, is there somebody there? And it's like, well, no, you know, parents are upstairs and there's nobody else didn't have any pets or anything. So you see a, a wispy something out of the corner of your eye or you wake up in the middle of the night and, and experience, you know, just an odd feeling. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you could see sort of a, uh, a shadow go by the door, but the door was closed and there was nothing else moving. So, you know, how does that happen? Yeah. So you're a believer, you're a believer in, in oh, paranormal. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm still not sure where I stand on that. Cause I've never actually ex personally experienced anything like it. I know you have Scott, you described it in last year's show. Indeed. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily sure. say I'm a hard believer in the paranormal, but I have experienced stuff I cannot explain does not mean there is not an explanation. Typical cop-out answer. Playing it neutral. Yeah. 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 Now, there is a lot of, you know, conjurers and, and uh, charlatans that just try and, and get your money and, and uh, 
you know? Like, why do they have to advertise in the, in the newspaper that there's a psychic fair? We should just know that they're coming, right? You know, yeah. they should be able to put those thoughts in our mind. And we should just <laughs> go there. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but there, there is, I definitely believe that there is some truth in it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm still waiting for my terrifying or interesting experience. So I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. I hope so. You look sad. Well, I kind of do want to experience in it because everyone else I know, I feel like, has these great stories, paranormal stories, and I don't have any. I I once came home and uh, the dog thought I was a ghost and nearly bit me. That's it. But that's his paranormal story. (laughs) That's not mine. And the only reason he thought that is because there was a cat standing on my shoulder. And I'm not going to explain that to you any further. Just trust me. Okay? Trust me. So are there, other than the um, the horror convention plan or the, the desire to bring something like that to Edmonton and the maybe the establishment of a permanent haunted house, are there any other plans that you've got sort of cooking or that Edmonton's got cooking that, that you want to bring to Edmonton? Well, we want to, um, we've done the parade circuit. We've, you know been out with hearses and Mist Edmonton and zombies and and my normal uh, Pumpkinhead character. Um, but we actually want to take that on the road. We want to start uh, maybe head down to Calgary or mm-hmm. Calgary. And, Does uh, that what, do they have something like that down there? They don't that I know of yet. Calgary, I like that. So, you know, by the way, I think we're going to register that domain name right away before it gets out. Yeah, you should do that. <laughs> Consider that to have a TM beside it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, their comic book, the Calgary Expo, would be a good place to promote Devonshire. Yes, as well. and that's one of the places that that we want to go to. Yeah. And uh, also in Oregon, there's a uh, um, another haunters convention that uh, a few people that you know make props and stuff in town. Maybe we can uh, get a few folks down there. And, yeah, and do that. Uh, there's ones out east as well that I would like to go to. Um, just time and money. Yeah, of course. Can people donate to Edmonton at all, or are you are you doing well, primary fundraising right we're, now? We're we're looking for for sponsorships. Um, we don't we're not a charity, so you can't just donate. But uh, you know we'll we'll get your word out. We've got a couple of companies, like I say, the Edmonton Realtors Association, and one of our friends works for a company called DiCorp. Uh, and they've been uh, significant sponsors this year. So so what does a <laughs> I guess what does it take to be a sponsor? Like if I if I'm a a wealthy dude and I'm like I want to give Edmonton ten grand, what does that what does that help you guys to do? Well, you know you you have to let us you know grovel and beg at your feet and kiss your <laughs> shoes because you know that, that's fairly substantial. Well, yeah, but otherwise. Uh, on our website on deadminton.com, there's a sponsor section and it's got all of the details as to, we've got different levels of sponsorship and, and what you get for those. And, and, you know, we'll throw your banner up on when we're doing, uh, um, our parades or you can sponsor a specific event and, uh, you know, just, we help promote you and promote everybody else that's doing stuff with, with the monies or the gifts in kind that, uh that you sponsor us with. Cool. So what is the, what do you think is the one event that um, Halloween types from Edmonton need to get out to before October 31st, on or before October 31st? Oh man, you're going to make me pick just one? Well, okay. There's so many. How about let's pick your, let's pick your top three. 
And I, and I know you love them all, but the three that you would want to get people out to the most. Well, the Sands Tour of Terror is one of the scariest, creepiest things you're going to see this year. Okay. And that's definitely for probably 13 plus. Um, we've got friends out at the Haunted Hike that do some great stuff. Mm-hmm. And because I've volunteered for so many years and because of other obligations I couldn't at Fort Edmonton this year, um, they're on the 30th and 31st. Fort Edmonton is? Or sorry, uh, the 29th and 30th, yeah, Fort okay. Edmonton. Okay, right on. Plus the millions of houses that are being decorated. <laughs> now, are you going to have a listing of uh, some of the better decorated houses on your website? Or? Well, what we're doing is if you go to um, dedmonton.com, there is a spot there for Dedmonton's Most Haunted. Mm-hmm. And we've actually got a nice little Google map that actually shows all of the places that have uh, that have been haunted. And, um, you know. Thanks to the help of uh, the Edmonton Realtors Association, we're going to have yard signs on on those places as well. Cool. That's a great promo. Yep. I would sell my haunted house at extremely high values because, you know, you get a little something extra. Like, do you have to let people know that your house is haunted? You know, I've actually, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard a couple, I've heard, I swear to God, I've heard discussions between, um, Associations like even articles online that say you're obligated to tell people everything about a house that's deficient. I mean, it's otherwise the, deal, actually, the deal could go sour. Couldn't yeah, it? I'm I'm under the impression that um, there was a uh, and someone's going to have to fact check me on this one because I'm I'm not going to take the time to look it up on Google right now. But I remember reading at some point that someone was taken to court. Uh, a realtor was taken to court by a tenant of a house, they were basically chased out of their house by haunted, by, by ghostly activity. And they had not been informed prior. And they made it very clear we would not have purchased the house had we known the house was haunted. Mm-hmm. And looking back at the history of the house, they discovered the previous tenant had also been driven out by spooky activity. The tenant before that had been driven out by spooky activity. And they took the realtor to court saying, basically, you should have told us the place was haunted. You didn't. That was a dereliction of your duty as you did not inform us that this was a deficiency with the house and that's what ultimately drove us to need to get rid of it to not being able to live there so there there has been some legal question about that i don't know now, ultimately what became of that case yeah. i cannot tell you but i remember reading about it somewhere. was that in the u.s or in canada because you can get away with a lot of things in the u.s that might not stick in canada i am so. under the impression it was in the u.s for the record for some reason i remember hearing the same story or something i wonder if so if it's definitely haunted, just to cover your bases, to make sure that you don't have to retake possession of your house and refund someone's money, you should tell people that it's haunted. What if someone has just died or been killed in that house? That that happens I a lot. I do believe you're supposed to do that in the States. I don't know about if, Canada. If you're selling a murder house, I think you do have to mention but if this someone, is the murder house. But if someone's passed away, I mean, that's, I would say, more common, sh- sure, than people being murdered in homes. You don't have to necessarily tell them. Probably not. You know, Uncle Jack died in that bed, had a heart attack. No, nah, probably not. What if Uncle, Uncle Jack was hacked to death by an axe murderer in that bed? Might be something you want to mention. <laughs> what if a- Uncle Jack's still there? That's the problem. Exactly. Even if, but yeah. Anyways, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that said, there are likely some people who would be more inclined to buy the house. Oh, for sure. If the realtor was like this place. The last three tenants have been driven out yeah. by stuff coming out of the closet. I don't even know. That was it's just, just there's crazy stuff. Watch out. There's someone out there who'd be like, I want this house. 
I'll pay you know anything what? for it. The the wiring is substandard and I'd have to do some plumbing work, but you're saying that there's monsters that come out of the closet in the night? I want this house. Well, you could always bring in some paranormal investigators as well, which we have here in Edmonton, I Yes, understand. we do. And have you ever been on a cruise through a haunted house with them or anything? No, like that? actually, I haven't. I've been busy doing all my other Edmonton stuff. Yeah. But they have done it, yeah. And have they found anything? Oh, yes. Yes, they have. I need. We need to get in touch with these guys, Scott. I've tried. Really? They're elusive. They're elusive like the spirits that they hunt. <laughs> They're busy trying to find Seriously, they just never return my calls. Oh, really? Which okay. is a shame. See, that's because they can't find you because you're still alive. You have yeah. to die first and yeah. then... I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. I, however, am. So later on this evening, I will take Scott out into the back alley and hack him to death with a fire axe. If that's okay with you. It's not, and you have just <laughs> left evidence of your guilt. But if you if you're dead, but it would make a great YouTube video, <laughs> and that's what we're all about: great YouTube videos and killing each other for some odd reason. So there you have it. Just don't try to poach them because the police will catch you. Really? Well, if you post it on YouTube, yeah. I'll get someone else to post it on YouTube. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry I have to do this to you, but I need to get in touch with those paranormal researchers. Yeah, don't shake your head at me. It's going to happen. You want to know what else is going to happen? What's going to happen now? Your favorite part of the show? Oh, yes. It's the Fast 15. So, Daryl, you've never listened to the show before, which is a travesty. I think I might have to take you into the back alley as well. <laughs> I probably deserve that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so what we do at the Fast 15 is uh, we ask the same 13 questions of all of our guests uh, just for funsies. And then we throw in two wild card questions tailored to you. Um, so a- feel when it's meant to be really fast. So try and answer as quickly as possible. Don't give it too much thought. And hopefully it will be enlightening for both of us. So here we okay. go. The Fast 15 with Daryl Plunkey, number one, your favorite food? Um, macaroni and cheese. Your favorite color? Blue. Mac, PC, or Linux? Oh, all three. Of course. Yeah, naturally. Dogs or cats? Cats. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Your favorite holiday? <laughs> Halloween. Hello. <laughs> your favorite sport? Um, all of them that I don't participate in. All right. Your favorite pastime? Uh, figuring out how to make Halloween props. Awesome. What's your favorite music right now? Oh, I'd have to probably say folk metal. Folk metal. Never heard of that before. Things no. like Corpaclani and, and, uh, usually foreign, but, uh, fast with an accordion. Cool. Or native instruments. Very interesting. Uh, your one of your or your favorite movie right now? Um, probably the Man with Two Brains, Steve Martin. All right, your favorite video game? Oh, uh, don't have one. Not Fair a big enough. video game fan. All right, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, oh. After watching some of those those shows, I really don't want to be able to read people's minds. Uh, I'd probably have to say the ability to eat anything and not gain any weight. That is, that's one of the best we've had, for sure. Certainly one of the most unique. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Um, Star Trek. That's a win 
for the unknown studio right there. Uh, now we're on to your wild card questions. First one, what was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? I probably have to say the the torturous werewolf gluing it to my face. It was it was the best. It was, yeah. It's just it's really sticks out. I, you know, headless horseman and and I think it went as Aquaman one year. But cool, werewolf. That's the one. Right on. And finally, our last wild card question: zombies or vampires? Zombies. Hello. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like I win that one. Remember that argument we had? Do you remember that one argument that we had? Yeah, well, you were asking which one he likes better, not which but one would win. Just in a to fight. be on the record, vampires don't sparkle. <laughs> yeah, they do, though, according to certain children's authors. That's why they're children's books. It's true. They're not grown-up books because grown-up vampires eat sparkly vampires for dinner. Yeah, fair enough. So you prefer zombies, but if do you think that as in a fight, one to one, vampire or zombie? Ooh, well, I, I think that the, the vampire would have to, uh, something would have to distract him because uh, once a zombie gets hold of you, then, then, you know, but just a combination of those two would actually be very traumatic. Can you imagine a zombie that just doesn't die and lives eternally? Well, they sort of do that anyways, but now they're... But maybe they, they wouldn't rot neck. so quickly or something. Yeah. So what happens if a zombie vampire bites you? I don't think that there is such a thing as a zombie vampire. Well, we've just invented one. I need you. To, I need you on this one, Scott. I need you to help me with this one. A hypothetical zombie vampire would be unstoppable. It really would be. There would be only one, and that would be the last thing left on this planet. But like, do you go for the head or the heart? I don't like, know. You know, how do you kill it? I think you have to go for both yeah. at the same time. Blow its head off, and then stab it in the heart, or vice versa. Probably the most terif- The only thing more terrifying than a zombie vampire would be a zombie vampire carrying a shotgun because he could shoot you. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us, Daryl. It was great to have you on the Thanks show. Thanks a lot, guys. And uh, look, looking forward to a very spooky Halloween. Indeed. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 35. Our guest, Daryl Plunkey. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.